We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contention. Appendix 1. Eldering and Oversight Readings. In the printed version of this book, a list of readings was made available at the beginning of some sections. We deemed it cost prohibitive and beyond our means to generate an appendix that would have included all of these references. However, we have chosen to include the following material on eldering and oversight because so much misinformation surrounds them today and so little accurate understanding and material exists on the true spiritual nature of these important spiritual gifts and offices among Quakers. A Plea for Strong Eldership From Seth Henshaw's blog piece in Chronicles Minutiae from 328 2010, available at chronicler-3blogspot.com. Then, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them, which were of reputation lest by any means I should run, or had run, in vain. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 In this passage, the Apostle makes a remarkable statement. After a time of ministry, he went to visit those, quote, of reputation, unquote, to find out if he had run in vain. If such a visit was needed by Paul, how can any of us believe that we need any less. In the Society of Friends, people named elders provide feedback to ministers, guiding them around the pitfalls and nurturing them with the spiritual guidance wherein they appear lacking. Most groups of friends scaled back the duties of elders in the late 19th century and throughout the 20th century because of a reticence that anyone else should judge the leadings of a minister. Now, in the early 21st century, the position is beginning to emerge again in various places. In some Midwestern FGC yearly meetings, the role of elder is played by people serving on what is called, quote, anchoring committees, unquote. Philadelphia yearly meeting has recently appointed elders to serve as something of a, quote, silent observers, unquote, during business meetings who attempt to foster the sense of worship during the deliberations. Although these various interpretations of the office may not be consistent with their intent, some general principles appear to hold among all groups of friends. Ministers need elders. This statement is so obvious that it seems pointless to mention. No matter how much a minister attempts to be true to the guide in speaking, mistakes are made. The problem is this. Often, when someone speaks under a false leading during worship, there is a possibility that the hearer will be turned away, not from the speaker, but instead from Christ Jesus.
such an event is a major problem, particularly if it continues. One role of the elder is to look out for anything that takes away from the person's ministry, emphasizing the strengths and guiding the minister away from shortcomings. Elders are not the enemies of ministers. In fact, elders work to help ministers grow in their gifts and improve their ability to follow the guidance of the light of Christ even better. The two, therefore, have a joint exercise of gifts. Meetings of ministers and elders were instituted over 300 years ago. Of course, in the 17th century, friends understood there to be more of an overlap between the two offices, and friends were not being specifically named to either office until the early 18th century. In Ohio Yearly Meeting, the overseers have participated in these meetings since 1958. When friends with diverse gifts gather to discuss things of the Spirit, individual gifts are sharpened as friends grow in their yearning to help each part of the body to function at its best. Those in all three stations need to be good listeners, both to the Lord and to each other. To use an analogy from the world, they are all part of the same team and not in competition with each other. It is a great irony that one of the most powerful words in the English language is also one of the shortest. The word no is a word that those who speak on the Lord's behalf need to hear sometimes. Most elders are able to work around a direct no by saying something like, oh, I wouldn't do that now. But the fact stands that ministers need to know when they are straying from the path. The relationship between a minister and an elder must be well-nurtured and strong in order that the caution may be received in the right spirit. There are times when a minister needs to hear advice, such as, What thee is doing has been undermining thy ministry. As someone who hardly ever hears no, I can say, without hesitation, that when I hear it, I take notice. Last year, I was part of conversation among four friends. As part of the conversation, a woman said that if God told someone to do something, but the elders counseled against it, the person should go ahead and do it anyway. This really bothered me. To begin with, if the Lord gave a person direction, that person should be able to convey a sense of gravity of the leading to the elders. If rightly appointed elders believe it not to be of the Lord, I told her, that I would definitely hesitate to do the thing. There is safety in the multitude of counselors, because whether we like it or not, each of us occasionally finds it difficult to discern between ego and God. Last, if it is a true leading, the Lord would grant the elders strength to see his hand in the matter. Insights into the Practice of Eldering in Ohio Yearly Meeting Minutes from a Consideration of Eldering During the Session of Ohio Yearly Meeting for Ministry and Oversight, 8th Month, 9th, 2011 There is a natural gravitation to elders by people who are in need of eldering, including some who do not know why they are troubled. An elder can be seen as a friend, who gives trustworthy advice about our life following Christ, not availing oneself 
of an elder's counsel is like ignoring advice from a qualified teacher in one's workplace. We find that elders have wisdom and discernment given them by God. Elders can listen well to people who come to advice for clarification of some spiritual situation they find troubling. They often listen to their own spiritual leadings and are able to share helpfully with others how we can listen and respond to God. Elders need to be tender and sensitive in the timing and strength of their counsel in order that tender spiritual buds are not bruised. Some ministers among us today have noted that they may have become overconfident in their gift or have difficulty in dividing their own concerns from the message that comes from God. Elders have assisted them in not straying from what God gives them. Likewise, elders help hold ministers accountable and responsible to the meeting. One minister remembers an elder telling her when she was much younger, I can feel the spirit in thy spoken ministry, but I cannot hear thee. Speak up. Today, that minister's speaking is clearly audible throughout the room. In addition, an elder can be a conduit for a concern an individual member has without requiring that friend to go directly to the minister. Many of us sense that there is a cross in doing the Lord's work as well as a vibrant joy. We need to feel the weight of that cross, and we need one another to help bear it. It is important for meetings at every organizational level to become aware of budding spiritual gifts and to encourage their growth. Then our meetings will continue to have leadership with that subtle touch which reminds us of the true and fundamental leadership of our Lord Christ Jesus. We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contention. This podcast has presented a portion of the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. The book was assembled and edited by Terry Wallace, Jack and Susan Smith, and Arthur Burke. It was read by Chip Thomas, and the audio edited by the same. The words for our musical introduction are from Margaret Fell's Letter to the King in 1660. They were arranged and sung by Paulette Meyer. We welcome feedback on this and any of our podcast episodes. Please email us at oymconservative at gmail.com.